Hey nerds, welcome to episode 522 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Adam, all by myself today for the intro before I get to a super fun interview with my new buddy, Genevieve Gornishek, who is the debut author of the just spectacular book, The Witch's Heart. Uh, The Witch's Heart is so fun, so just like escapist fantasy. Uh, It is all about a little known witch in the Norse Norse mythologies um, that even if you're familiar with, you likely haven't heard of this particular character. Her name's Angerboda, and we're going to get all uh, all into it when Genevieve is on in just a few minutes here. Uh, I will just say, if you're a fan of Circe by Madeline Miller, past guest on the show, or if you're a fan of Norse mythology by Neil Gaiman, not past guest on the show, um, you'll love this book. It's just fantastic. Uh, Genevieve is local to me she is living in cleveland yet we were still on zoom a little fun note about the podcast this week genevieve is on uh, and next week the author that is going to be on is all the way from new zealand so a global podcast for you Uh, but she studied norse myths and icelandic sagas when she was at college and just developed a passion for it Uh, she is in a kind of Viking reenactment group that we talk about. And just this is just so much fun. I think you guys are really, really gonna love it. Um, yeah, it's gotten me just so. Oof, I love all of it. it. It's got me thinking about ships and the sea and sea shanties, of course, and music and listening. Actually, um, I tweeted this out as the podcast last week, but um, asked if if people listen to music while they read. I've been very into a whole lot of jazz lately as my background music, um, lots of John Coltrane. And so let me know, send us a, a tweet or uh, an, e- an email if you listen to music while you're, while you're reading. I'm just curious. This is not for anything in particular. Just like hearing from you guys. Um, if you want to get a hold of us, of course, you can always reach us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. Professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com is our email address at probooknerds on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and if you haven't yet, if you want to leave us a review, uh, we really appreciate it. iTunes or Spotify or iHeartRadio or wherever you happen to listen to your podcasts. It helps people find us a little bit more easily. We really appreciate it. Also, also, and this will be the last thing before I let you get to the interview. Uh, if you didn't listen to last week's episode on Thursday, Jill and I discussed the books that we don't enjoy, specifically a few of them, and and why the reasons behind it. So got that was the most requested thing anyone has ever asked us for so many of you said you wanted to hear that so i hope you enjoyed it uh we took a lot of time a lot of care with it so hope you guys enjoyed that um but if you haven't heard it yet go check it out uh i think that is just about everything so i will let you get to this just super fun conversation with my new buddy genevieve gornishek on the professional book nerds podcast You're in Cleveland too, right? Yes. I So I just listened to your interview with Alexis Henderson yesterday. Uh-huh. And where you mentioned you were in Cleveland, I was like, oh, I'm in Cleveland too. Actually, so I, I started the recording before. So what I'll do is, um, do you just kind of want to kick us off by introducing our listeners to The Witch's Heart? And then we'll jump around from there. Okay. Um, hi, I'm Genevieve Gornacek. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote The Witch's Heart, which is a reimagining of Norse mythology from the point of view of the giantess Angerboda, who is best slash only known as the 
um, Mother of Hell, Fenrir, and Jormungand by none other than our favorite trickster, Loki. Yeah, okay, so I want to jump off right with anger about it. I'm going to say this wrong like six times. It's totally okay. <laughs> but- One of my friends listened to the audiobook snippet that's on um, my publisher's website and she was like, wow, I've been pronouncing everything wrong. I'm like, it's really fine. <laughs> yeah, I feel like with Norse mythology and like especially like the Icelandic sagas, like you just have no chance really of getting any of these right. But I got super excited because it, it reminded me a lot of like Circe that Madeline Miller wrote with the fact that this particular character, like you said, is very off center in the sense of like we don't know much about her. So what drew you into wanna wanting to tell and reimagine her story as opposed to you know like picking someone more centrally focused that's a great question so I noticed when I was taking a a Norse mythology class in college uh, which I was so lucky to have the opportunity to do Mm -hmm. um, that Angerboda had a lot of like associations in common with Mm -hmm. a couple other women in the mythology Um, And I feel like if I had picked anyone else, I would have had to like start from scratch and just kind of make things up. And my academic brain like would not let me do that. Not to say I didn't take liberties in the book, which I absolutely did. Mm -hmm. But um, so there's a couple other women in the mythology, for example, who have associations with like wolves and snakes and like prophecies. So I kind of like just combined them all together and Mm -hmm. um, was able to kind of flush out her story from there. So that's what really drew me to her was like the the, um, idea that there was kind of something deeper there that maybe the people who wrote down the myths over a thousand well a thousand years ago um ish you know 800 years ago ish um, maybe didn't care about or kind of Mm -hmm. didn't want to expand upon because they just weren't interested in it which is a big thing for a lot of the women in the myths and sagas yeah they they unfortunately don't tend to be as like i said like centrally focused because be serious it's usually men that were probably writing the stories so yep I, the one thing I, I do love, like I said, as a person who also loves Norse, mytho- Norse mythology, but didn't uh, obviously study it to the level that you did, like, because of the fact of who she is the mother of, like, it was almost like little, like, when she would have one of the children in the story, I would get all excited, be like, oh, wait, okay, this is starting to click now. <laughs> it is so fun. So you mentioned doing, you know, having the class, which is really cool. I will say when I went to school, I got to take like, Greek and Roman mythology but we did not have yeah we didn't have Norse mythology that was an option which I would have would have loved but like having Agarbota's story not be super prevalent that or at least not easily found in places like what was your research process like like where were you finding snippets that you could build your story out from so that is also a great question. I actually wrote my term paper in that class about Angerboda's associations mm-hmm. with other women in this mythology. So um, I kind of took a look at some of the weirder, creepier women and just kind mm-hmm. of noticed like throughout just reading the Eddas that like I that they had some things in common. So like the the giantess Herokin who mm-hmm. rides to Baldur's funeral on the back of a wolf with snakes for reins, like what other giantess in the mythology has an association with snakes and wolves? Angerboda. Ah. <laughs> and so like, it's that kind of like thought process that kind of got me through it. Like being like, Ooh, there could be a connection here. A tenuous connection, mm-hmm. admittedly, 
but you know, maybe all giantesses have these associations. I don't know. But I was like, wouldn't it be cool though if they mm-hmm. were all secretly the same person? Well, and and I love that, like like you said, you 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 took some liberties, but you stay close to the stories that all that all you know already exist. And what I love about Norse mythology, and I'm curious if you feel the same way. Same same things with like Greek and Roman mythology. These stories are fictional, but they believe them to be basically like their religion and to such a it's almost not really it's almost like like the way like the bible is for like roman catholics it's like these are fictional stories but so many people believe them to be like structurally foundational to their existence like did you feel like you needed to stay close to that existing story because they are so ingrained and like almost as if it is like you know fact versus fiction kind of um mm-hmm. i mean that is a great question too uh, sorry i keep saying that <laughs> no it's but... <laughs> okay I, I appreciate it i would that's much better than you being like oof adam that's a rough one <laughs> <laughs> but i uh i kind of treated it almost as if like i was writing fan fiction like i didn't want to stray too far from canon mm-hmm. like this is what we know and this is uh kind of in a way, I was fortunate about the things that we didn't know because I could take those liberties. Mm-hmm. So like if there was a gap, I could be like, well, it doesn't say that this doesn't happen. So right. why don't I just make it happen? So um, it was that kind of thought process. And the fact that the myths were so like the Viking Age was, you know, it, it, it at least in Iceland, it ended about a thousand years ago. And then the mm-hmm. myths were written down like 200 years after that. So we're already like 200 years removed from the people who actually worshipped the Norse gods. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like several layers of, of bias to kind of unpack there. Um, so I think it would be really hard to say exactly like for certain what people in the Viking age would have believed about, about the gods. Um, mm-hmm. But the poems, at least, we think that they were passed down pretty much intact um, because just because of the way the poetry is constructed, if you change like one syllable, you change the whole thing. Mm. Did you watch Avatar The Last Airbender? I, I know. Yeah, okay. It's actually it's on my list of things. I'm so <laughs> bad at watching stuff, but go ahead. I I know that a lot of people listen to me, absolutely. There, there's this one part where uh, Sokka tries to invade this like haiku club because it's mm-hmm. a bunch of pretty girls and he ends up saying haiku and he's like one syllable off and they're like one syllable and they kick him out. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I figure that Skaldic and Edic poetry, which is like the, the Norse myths and sagas and stuff, mm-hmm. um, y- utilize that kind of poetry. And it was so complicated that if you change one syllable, like people who know their stuff are going to be like, eh, like wrong. Yeah. So it's that kind of thing. And that um, enabled this poetry to get passed down in the oral tradition, probably for probably until it was written down and I just think that's really cool so to answer your question long term like I feel like the poems might be closer to what the you know people Mm -hmm. in the Viking age might have believed about the gods and that's a whole nother fun thing because some of those poems are hilarious yeah (laughs) that's okay so like not to keep like thinking about like with the bible and stuff but it's it's almost like the opposite of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Like the Dead Sea Scrolls, when people, like when they discover them and they're like rolling them out, they get, there's like these little tiny fragments that are still in existence and they're just like, and so from this fragment, we can ascertain and then they make leaping, you know, guesses. But like this, like you said, it it does have the whole story intact because that's that's so interesting that as like a researcher, you're able to see like, oh yeah, no, this was probably the whole thing because of how it's written. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. So were 
I think I saw you do an interview. Like, did you read these stories in their like native, like, like the original languages? So I took a class on Old Norse and that's where all of this started. So I'm yeah. like by no means fluent, but I have my little dictionary and there's a couple of the myths that we did translate in class that I got to learn some fun little tidbits about while I was, you know, working on translating them with a bunch of other people in a classroom. Oh. Um, but it was really cool. That's okay. That is insanely interesting. Like, <laughs> I also feel like that's the type of class where you find out that you're translating something that you, you find out really quickly if you're interested or not, because of the, I have to imagine that's a very time consuming, slow process. Like how does, how does that work? We did it line by line. So like mm -hmm. we'd get assigned different, you know, I'd get a stanza and the next person would get a stanza. Mm -hmm. um, but we actually started off not with a poem, but with the story where Loki gives birth to a horse. That was the first <laughs> thing I ever translated. And that was like, because I had read Norse mythology as a kid, mm -hmm. um, but none of it really had stuck with me. And then taking this class, I was like, I just remembered how weird this was. And I just want to go read the rest of it now. So mm -hmm. I like bought a bunch of books and just went to town <laughs> yeah it's I, really thinking about like all of the crazy stories that are in Norse mythology in general like it's kind of insane that like, one of the biggest Marvel characters and storylines is like Thor and Loki and Odin so, like it's really crazy that it's able to like explode on such a like, cultural level because it, they really are like Loki gives birth as a horse to an eight-legged horse and everyone's just yeah. like that sounds cool like yeah. I it really is interesting to me that like of all the mass media things that people find interesting in comics they're just like everyone just accepts like yeah there's a tree and there's nine realms and it's all good like are yeah. you are you also a fan of of the like the way that Marvel is depicting these things as well? Um, I got into like Norse mythology like in school um, a little bit before the Mar like before the first Thor movie came out, mm -hmm. um, and I kind of used Marvel as like an extension of my obsession with Norse mythology. Mm -hmm. um, but in my brain, I was able to like compartmentalize it and be like, okay, this is totally different, so I'm not going to get mad about inaccuracies. Like Thor and Loki are not brothers. Like. <laughs> Right, there's like no real, like, he's more so a brother of Odin than, mm -hmm. and it's not even like an actual brother. Right, exactly. Yeah, I, um, okay, so you said that you discovered this through this kind this college course, mm -hmm. but have you always had an interest in these types of like sagas and, and myths and, and things like that before? I guess like what were some of the content and stories and things you were reading when you were growing up? Uh, I really liked Greek mythology, like mm -hmm. super, super into Greek mythology. Um, the Percy Jackson books came out while I was in high school and I devoured them. Like mm -hmm. I had, uh, you know, Disney's Hercules and all of that stuff. I was just super into it. So I guess in a way, like Norse mythology was kind of a natural transition for me. Like, but even though I really enjoyed Greek mythology, I never thought too much about where it came from. Like, if you ask me the source of like, this poem or that that like story mm -hmm. I, I don't know I yeah. just know what I read in like my children's books about Greek mythology and mm -hmm. so Norse mythology was like a deep dive in comparison but it was a natural transition yeah absolutely um so do you, when did you realize that you wanted to not only 
enjoy and read these types of stories, but that you wanted to take, take the next step and I don't want to say to wrote fan fiction, but you did, like you said, like yeah. write about these types of things. And again, this isn't to knock fan fiction. It's incredible. Right. Absolutely. The internet decided to do that a few weeks ago. And ah, yes, the uh, Twitter discourse. Jesus. <laughs> we so love st- to see it. <sighs> yeah. But it's like, what, when did you realize like, oh, I actually want to extend beyond just reading these stories. And I would actually like to spend a lot of time working on these stories myself. It was that class. Was it? When I was writing my term paper, um, I actually wrote the first draft of The Witch's Heart in three weeks for NaNoWriMo. It just would not get out of my head. I was like, but, you know, to be fair, writing that first draft, I had all of Norse mythology itself as like the bones of the story. So it's Mm -hmm. not like I had to really plot anything. I just kind of had to be like, okay, what would Ankur have been doing? right now sitting mm-hmm. in her cave for the most part that's kind of that was like the most frustrating part of writing this story is like do something <laughs> but uh, yeah <laughs> okay so along those same lines in that first draft because um so many people who have done NaNoWriMo that are authors are like famously like I interviewed Aaron Morgenstern a few years ago and like she's mm-hmm. like adamant because everyone's like oh the night circus was written during NaNoWriMo and she always tells everyone she's like I love that I'm like the poster child for NaNoWriMo she's like but basically four words from that NaNoWriMo script became part of the Night Circus. She's like, the rest of it I rewrote. So in relation to your story, because like you said, Angerboda, what I love about how you put this together is like, it really is her story. And like, yeah, we get snippets of what's, you know, going on in, you know, Asgard and everything else, but it's really her story. Like in that original draft, did you have her in the cave, like centered as the, the main driving force or were you trying to like wrestle with okay how do I make it her story but still make it like a Norse mythology story it has always been her story from Mm -hmm. the very beginning um and large swaths of the part one of the book are the same Mm -hmm. as they were in 2011 when I first wrote this book um but part two was rewritten three times I think Mm -hmm. um since I signed with um my publisher with Ace yeah. Um, my editor was like, you know, the original ending is very sad and terrible. It was, it, it was just bad. It was bad. And yeah. my editor basically saved everyone from having to read this like terrible ending. Um, and she knows this. I've thanked her for it. But um, she was like, I think that you could craft a better ending that's more satisfying to the reader without compromising the source material that mm-hmm. you, she's like, I know what you're doing here, but I think that you could do better. And I'm like, thank you and it took me two more tries but um I'm really proud of it but like the entire like second half of the book has been rewritten I think there's like three scenes Mm -hmm. that um were more or less the same as they were but yeah part part one I changed very little I was just gonna say even having written the first draft like you said in three weeks that's still really impressive that like the (laughs) first part the majority of it really is similar I do love you were mentioning you're joking about like having her like wanting her to do something I do love where it's almost like you speed the story along because there are passages early on in the book where it's just like you just like pipe like in a sentence or two you're just like so the season passed yeah <laughs> like it's almost like listen reader we're trying to get to the good stuff right she right. made 
she made some salves trust me on this yep and her you know she's like this like ageless deathless witch and like time just moves really wonky for her Mm -hmm. which is why like in the second half she's like oh just gonna wander and you know follow my instinct and then she's like oh god my daughter's all grown up like spoiler alert but it's just like time (laughs) just doesn't Mm -hmm. have a really an effect on her well and she even you even have her kind of mention that at the very beginning when like she first meets Loki and they become initially friends and then and then more so it's like mm-hmm. he I think he even asked something like well how long have you been here like and he, she's like I don't I don't know like she's just like yeah. sitting by a like a she's <laughs> yeah. like sitting by a, um you know a body of water and she's like I who knows it's 10 years it is. Could, yeah been, I could have been literally sitting here on this against this tree for 10 years it could mm-hmm. have been 10 years since I I left Asgard yet like yeah <laughs> 100%. Yeah. And I, one of the things I love about your version of her, and I'm assuming this is like the, the way that you read her as well, is like she's like nothing, she's unflappable, cannot be flapped. Like she takes everything in stride and it's just like, like Loki tells her he has another wife and she's just like, is she pretty? Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah. I don't know, like the way that she chooses to be, the things that she chooses to be angry about, it's just like, it's written in a way as a woman who has lived lie like generations of time. Like I just, is that how she's conveyed in the, the ways that you were able to find her? Or is that something that you built out yourself? I built that out myself. Mm. That was, um, I mean, when I say that she's, she's mentioned um, once in each of the Eddas and both times just in relation to Loki like she doesn't get any lines she doesn't do anything she mm-hmm. just exists and is the mother of these children so yeah all of that came from me yeah and part of developing her character is kind of like okay I'm, I'm making her this ancient witch with this like phenomenal cosmic power that she may <laughs> may not be able to completely like access or even want to use uh-huh. so um so like what kind of person would she be to not use this power to like storm Asgard and be like, I'm changing fate. And I think that that's what people are expecting. And I'm sorry to those people. Like mm-hmm. it was really hard to make her do anything because <laughs> I didn't want to change. Like it, it had to end in Ragnarok. Like it, mm-hmm. it had to. And so I was like, okay, like how, how would this woman with all this power, like what kind of person would she have to be to not like use it to. Yeah. Just, it's, it's like you know you said the great cosmic power thing. It's almost it's like the it's like the genie, like the great exactly. cosmic power, like itty bitty living space. Yeah, it's yeah. I picked up on that. Yeah, it's like it is. It's like she has this massive ability, which readers will find out about very early on, what she can do if they're not familiar. And she really like there's one time early-ish that she takes advantage of it mm-hmm. and to facilitate keeping one of their her children alive i'm trying to like really dodge I'm like, I, want, I don't want to like give things away yeah. but it is it's like and even then she's like oof i'm not gonna do that again like that i don't know how yeah it is it's it's almost like a a study in like, like temperance but like in how to like not overuse a thing that like that you have like this power it really is it's just like such an interesting dichotomy i guess Right. And then when she does overuse it, there are serious consequences. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, no spoilers, but that scene at the river. Yeah. Where she really like unleashes her power. Like that was a terrible decision. <laughs> it's like, oh God. Yeah. I want to take a quick break to talk about today's sponsor. And it is our friends at Literati. 
Great children's books open up new worlds for discovery. And with Literati Kids, your child can explore uncharted places every single month with spellbinding stories handpicked by experts. You guys have heard us talk about Literati before. And if you're not a part of this just wonderful group yet, I don't know what you're waiting for, but Literati Kids is a try before you buy a subscription book club. Each month, Literati delivers five vibrantly illustrated children's books, bringing the immersive magic of reading right to your home. Literati's age-based book clubs ensure appropriate reads for your budding bookworm, whether they're snuggling with you for story time or letting their imagination roam free. Each book bundle is thoughtfully tailored by education experts with five stories meant to spark new interests and nurture a healthy curiosity. You don't have to worry about sorting through hundreds of titles anymore and wondering what you're going to be able to bond over with your kid. Literati is just going to send you these incredible children's literature titles and you choose to purchase the ones that they love and you send the rest back for free. No worries about it. No, you know, no struggle or no issues, you know, from art and adventure to tales and compassion to, to tales of compassion. Literati box follows a new enriching theme each literati box follows a new enriching theme with personalized extras like stickers, surprises, and special guest artwork. Every box is fun and a fresh adventure. See, this is why I don't always read the copy from literati because I love the product so much. And when I read the copy, I fall over my own words. Listen, I've been giving this to my nieces and nephews for over a year now. I get videos from my siblings every single time one of the boxes come. It doesn't matter if my niece is who's two years old is opening it up or if my nephew who is 10 is opening it up, they know that that is stuff for them and they get excited and it's just the best. And knowing that they're gonna enjoy story time and not only are the kids gonna get new adventures, but my siblings as adults are going to get to read new books so they're not reading the same book over and over and over again. Head to literati.com slash probooknerds for 25% off your first two orders. Select your child's book club and start them on a literary journey like no other. That's literati dot com slash pro book nerds it's the only place you're going to find 25 percent off your first two orders of this one-of-a-kind book subscription it's the most joyful way to foster a lifelong love of learning that's literati.com slash pro book nerds um so are do you see yourself and i i imagine yes but i don't want to make assumptions are you like is this the realm that you want to continue writing because there really isn't a ton of Norse reimaginings or retellings I mean there's the Neil Gaiman one which is more so just like him being like here's an approachable way to take on Norse mythology but like do you want to keep telling stories in this area because there's so many of them that you could tell yes 100 that is my goal because I I'm so deep in this like I'm mm-hmm. also a Viking reenactor so yeah, I, I want to I'm, talk about that. <laughs> I'm too I'm too deep in like the study of all of this stuff. Um, I almost went to grad school for it too. So mm-hmm. it was like, yeah, I will probably continue on in this vein. If I am allowed to, I would be grateful to. Yeah. Okay. Viking reenactor. <laughs> I so for people who who don't know who haven't looked at your bio. Genevieve and I are both in Cleveland, which is just hilarious that in a normal world, I would just be like, you should come to our office and we would talk in person, but this isn't the normal world. We are <laughs> doing this via Zoom, much like everything else. Um, I have lived in this area all my life. I, I don't know where, do, where does like Viking reenactments take place here or are these elsewhere? Tell me everything about this. Oh, they're here. They are here. Um, I actually, I don't know if you've been out to the Great Lakes Medieval Fair in Geneva, but that's where I met my group. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're out that way. Mm-hmm. And there's also like in, in Cleveland, Cleveland, um, there is a, a Yamsborg, which is like mm-hmm. a, like a, almost like a, I think a worldwide um, uh-huh. organization of, of um, Viking age enthusiasts. Yeah. Um, they do a lot of combat. Um, and they, they are here in Cleveland too. Like their chapter, I think, I don't know their log their chapter just uh formed a couple years ago and is still like um developing and they're really cool people i've gotten a chance to hang out with them a couple times okay. so yeah it is it is happening in cleveland <sighs> okay well th- i'm this is i this is huge breaking news for me i'm excited about this is it like and i forgive me i, I i'm i'm not familiar like is it like live action role play or is it like cosplay or is it like putting on performances like you would see at like a ren fair like what what does this all entail so that's a super, super great question. Um, it is, it is living history, at least mm-hmm. like, like I can speak for my group. It is living history. We are um, trying to kind of reconstruct a whole way of life. So we'll like go to these events and we'll live in tents for a weekend and we'll cook over a campfire. And I have an eight foot tall warp weighted loom in the corner of my room, like um, to make these crafts. So I, I got the opportunity to, to do a lot of the stuff that uh-huh. my characters do in the witch's heart like do tablet weaving and do null binding which is like this viking age kind of it, knitting is the closest thing i can compare it to mm-hmm. but you know like it's just it's so cool but it's not like we kind of have like oh this is my viking name but like i'm still me i'm not pretending to be somebody else i'm kind of uh-huh. pretending to be me as i might have been a thousand years ago like uh-huh. in you know as a scandinavian peasant farmer this is well i mean listen you've got the blonde hair i like are you does your is your family like is your ancestry from that area of the world yes uh my grandfather's actually from sweden i got Mm -hmm. to live there um for four months when i was an undergrad and when i came back i immediately took the old norse class and the rest was Mm -hmm. history but when i was actually living in sweden i was like oh look a rune stone that's cool like i don't know anything about vikings missed opportunities yeah seriously i was just gonna say i um I interviewed Ken Follett last year. I don't remember time anymore, but I think it was last year. And his most recent book is based in the dark ages. And like a lot of it came from, he went to the, there's, it's all, it's, a lot of it involved Vikings. And mm-hmm. he went to the, um, I can't remember what, I, I want to say Sweden, but now I'm thinking maybe Norway. There's like a Viking longship museum. Yeah, that's a, that's a Norway. Yeah. And the he's like- ships museum. Yeah, and like there's yeah. a whole, they have a whole- epic poem that's like all around the wall i think or something oh, that's like, so cool i yeah, haven't been it, there but oh that's so cool it was and it, that was and he was telling me like the amount of information that he was able to take from just being in that like because they have like a full-size biking longboat like there and all this stuff and yeah and i'm like just i'm like with you like i'm just like i really want to go see that type of thing it sounds amazing that is goals i got the chance to visit um birka sweden in 2019 yeah before 2020 pre yeah. pre pre all of this mm-hmm. and I, I i guess i missed they, they have a whole like little viking village set up and i missed the reenactors by like two weeks i was there <sighs> in june they're like oh they don't get here till july i was like darn it <laughs> So is your, like, does your group, and obviously, like you said, no one knows when we're going to be able to leave our little Zoom rooms again, but um, are you, like, do you guys have long-term plans of going and, like, spending some time in, like, Sweden or Norway or Denmark to, like, do these types of things? I think that's goals for a lot of us. A lot of us has, Mm -hmm. have 
a lot of us have gone over individually mm-hmm. and kind of hung out with people um but as far as like all of us going as a group i feel like I- i'm not sure yeah <laughs> that would be so cool like so many of us want to go but mm-hmm. that's oh man i'm like i'm super into this this is so cool <laughs> thank you i like am obsessed with all of this this is amazing um and are you also you're also working like full-time as well right yes so how do you like break up your time because I you know when I talk to people who are currently full-time authors they'd be like well I mean I this is my job so I'll it's not as challenging but like as someone personally who's trying to write a novel while also working full-time it's like I struggle to find the time so how do you Mm -hmm. sort of break up your day so that you are able to fulfill your obligations of like working on another novel and doing all these types of things um honestly I I used to have an an additional job um so I'm still kind of getting into the swing of of not having an additional job and having more time and deciding Mm. how to organize my time because I'm very lucky because my work from home job um as a marketing copywriter is pretty flexible like Mm -hmm. they're kind of like hey as long as you put in the work between these hours ish like and get all your work done like you don't have to clock in right at nine and Mm -hmm. do nine to five like you can you can kind of (laughs) they're they're flexible so um for me it's either like getting up earlier or going to bed later and I Mm -hmm. used like when I wrote the witch's heart I was a night owl like (laughs) I I would stay up until like three in the morning those three Mm -hmm. weeks and like finish you know whatever section I was working on because there's no chapters I'm sorry I wish I would have put chapters in the book listen it's okay as but here's (laughs) the thing I will say not to cut you off I am someone who when I get to the end of a chapter when I'm reading it's almost like in my brain I'm like you deserve a break and then like I'll get distracted and stop reading for a while Mm -hmm. with your book just because it's like the three like no 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 no. it was great (laughs) because I just kept going I was just like oh no about it and I don't think you need it you you do have the breaks like the yeah the section breaks yeah so I think it works yeah I, whatever I liked it I'm here for it I don't care if anyone else complains. <laughs> I appreciate it. I feel like I feel like if somebody's like having trouble getting into the book which like it's not for everybody no book is mm-hmm. for everybody but if somebody's having trouble getting into it they'd be like oh when can I stop reading <laughs> but people who are super into it might be like oh my god this is a trap I don't know where to stop so like <laughs> either way I'm sorry <laughs> oh that's so funny um okay so towards the end of our podcast we have what we like to add, call the nerd nine just nine lighthearted questions mm-hmm. um not that anything not that I was like grilling you for the past half hour or anything um but the first one is what's the last book you finished reading the last book I finished reading was the unbroken by C.L. Clark nice uh do you have a favorite place to read um Usually in coffee shops, but in light of COVID, my room or my oh, living room. <laughs> I miss coffee shops so much. I got so much done there. And there's so many, listen, in Northeast Ohio, there's so, we have so many lovely coffee shops between. Ah, so upsetting. Um, do you remember the book that made you fall in love with reading when you were younger? Oh, boy. Uh, I don't. I read everything as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, there was no one book. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. I, that works. Um, this is, you. So I think you may have sort of answered this, but when you're allowed to travel again, where is one place you'd like to go that you have not yet been to? Iceland. Yeah. See, with you, it was like, this is a pretty, I was one of the rare people where I was like, I think I know what Jenner is going to say. But. <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite holiday to celebrate? Christmas. 
yeah i'm a christmas girl i love halloween but christmas is just there's there's something about the coziness of christmas that i just mm-hmm. love yeah uh plus again for people who aren't from this area they don't understand that like from november through like may we northeast ohioans don't see the sun really like it's a perfect gray <laughs> it's gray and cloudy today we Genevieve <laughs> and i just both looked at our windows because it's the same it's the same it's time. been gray for like three months yeah and, and so the last time we saw the sun i don't remember yeah and so christmas at least is like that one shining light in this area especially yeah. where we're all like well it's gray but it's holiday and gray so it's okay right exactly um are you a coffee person or a tea person coffee in the morning tea in the evening that's how i roll yeah uh cats or dogs cats Cats. Dogs (laughs) dogs are very good dogs are very very good i just will always have a soft spot for cats that's okay um do you have a favorite food oh my gosh sushi yeah um and then if you could have dinner with one person alive or dead who would you pick such a hard question i know i'm sorry more people have yelled at this question than like answered it straight away if i'm being honest i'm like i'm trying to choose like a ridiculous character from the icelandic sagas because they're like semi-historical like i you know what i'm gonna count it i I, that works okay oh my gosh i'm having trouble that's okay i'm like totally blanking Sorry, I can edit all this out anyway. Don't you worry about okay. it. <laughs> um, there's a saga character named Eo Skaltakrimson, and he's just absolutely ridiculous. And I just like want to have a meal with him and just be like, can you compose some poetry, please? <laughs> like, he's like one of the Icelandic warrior poets from the sagas, and he's just like this big dude. He's canonically described as like kind of being like ugly, and he just like kills people and composes poetry and vomits on people and it's just great it's just great it's a great saga that is also (laughs) a low-key powerful name too that's amazing right oh man Uh, okay last question for you what do you hope readers take away from reading your book i hope that they take away that um there's always hope even if everything seems like it's stacked against you and the you know the odds are are pretty well not in your favor <laughs> that you know you can still find the strength inside yourself to kind of succeed and prevail in the face of whatever you're up against that's absolutely perfect Genevieve thank you for joining me today thank you this was so awesome thank you so much for having me Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out.